Welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lindsay, and you can find past episodes of this show on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in this week for The Wonderful World of Wine. Every week, my co-host, Mark Lenzi, and myself will talk to you about current trends in the wine industry, uh, interesting articles that we have found that we will discuss with each other and bring some of that news and information to all of you. And we love to see what each of us does on our own time as far as Googling things in the wine world. So, Mark, what, uh, what topics did you Google last week? Well, Kim, you know me with my wine documentaries. I was searching a new thing that's coming out, Psalm TV. You familiar Ooh. with the Psalm movies? I am, yes. So they're coming out with their own TV channel in spring of 2019. And you had to sign up first to get on the list to when it's released. And I think what they're going to do is they're going to take all the footage from the movies mm-hmm. where they were having practicing tasting and for the exams and just flood all that onto a TV channel. So if you're okay. a geek and you want to watch how people taste, how they pass their Psalm exams, this will be coming out soon. Psalm TV. Wow. It did seem to be a movie that lots of people mentioned to me. They're like, hey, have you seen that movie, Psalm? So there does seem to be some interest from the non-wine world about this topic. So that might be interesting for a lot of people. What about you, Kim? What did you Google on your own this week? I Googled a lot of stuff about Spanish wine. Mark and I are in the middle of studying for a new Spanish certification. So I have been finding myself looking up maps and different regions and styles and grape varieties. And everybody knows I'm a grape variety geek. So I love to look up that stuff. And there are also a couple of Spanish grape varieties that uh, we are particularly fond of in our household. So I'm always looking for new and interesting things that I can bring home and that we can taste. So Spain, Spain's where it's at right now for us. So an article that we wanted to bring to your attention today is from a blog that I regularly read called the Fermentation Wine Blog by a gentleman by the name of Tom Wark, who I have followed for years. And he had this great article about 10 things that wine lovers can be thankful and happy for. And I thought that this was just such a nice, positive, really just sort of stepping back and looking at all the wonderful things that that wine lovers maybe sometimes take for granted that we have access to now. And as a wine historian of sorts, it's nice for me to look at these things and reflect back and be like, yeah, you know what? 100 years ago, 200 years ago, people didn't have that. And, And look at how lucky we are. So we wanted to bring some of these things that you as a wine drinker can be thankful for in this day and age and think positively about your wine experience. Just 10. Just 10. I mean, yeah, I'm sure he could have done 20, but there is there are 10 here. And I think as we go through them, Kim, we're going to have our own play <laughs> know, on you know, sure. how it affected us, right? Yeah. So I'm going to kick it off with one that I thought was very important, and that is selection. There is so much out there now, almost too much. You kind of sometimes walk into a really big store, and if you don't know a whole heck of a lot about wine, or even if you do, you know, you sort of feel like a deer in the headlights. Like there's a lot of wine out there. But 
I think that it's great because there's something for everyone. If you are a wine drinker and you like to drink wine, there is probably something that is your go-to. And let me tell you, there are probably a dozen other things that fit your palate and what you like perfectly to a T. And it's just a matter of finding somebody who can help you explore what those other things might be. So there are diverse grape varieties and regions and interesting styles and always new stuff coming out. So there's a lot of wonderful wines out there just ripe for the picking. I'm glad you started with this one, Kim, because you can be thankful for the selection, but at sometimes you can be overwhelmed yeah, it by It kind of the is selection. a double-edged sword. So part of my whole thing about doing tasting and education was to get this exact word out to people. There is so much out there. For me as a wine buyer, I have so much that I can buy to put on my shelves to sell to you. So I want to know all I can about it. So as drinkers of wine and consumers of wine, I feel being educated or knowing a few things that we like to teach in our classes and on this show can help you put your money in the right area. And like you said, Kim, if you don't like something or you think one thing is more expensive or something, there's always something out there that will be close or within your price range. So that's why I love you started with this, but it's all based on education and learning just a little bit to help you become a better consumer and shopper. And you had talked in the past, Kim, we had talked all the time about the selection, also to be careful, like of what you see on the store shelves is corporate wine selections. And a lot of people shop based on that, on brands. So Mm -hmm. there is other ways to find out who's that small producer, and that's all part of a selection. Right. Another one, so we'll say number two, and this sort of jumps off that a little bit, is there are a lot of great conversations going on about wine, either between people in the industry or folks like ourselves with consumers like yourselves or online. There are Facebook groups about wine. There are tasting groups. We have a meetup group that's our wine club with hundreds of members in it. If you are somebody who is interested in talking about wine, learning about wine, tasting wine with other people, there are lots of ways that you can do that now, probably more so than at any other time. And I think another great thing about sort of a little bit connected to this, but also in the past, wine was really only consumed by people who had a lot of money that they could then spend on wine. If you were, unless you were living, you know, in Southern Italy where it was, you know, just your everyday drink. But now I feel like wine is much more available to the general population. If you have $10 to spend on something at a restaurant, you have $10 to buy a bottle of wine at a store. If you have just that little bit, it is accessible to a lot of people. Not not to everybody, but to the vast majority of the population. So that accessibility of wine itself and then accessibility of conversations about wine is pretty cool. Yeah, thankful that we can talk about wine many different ways. And example is this show, right? Mm -hmm. We wouldn't be here without wine. (laughs) So you had mentioned apps, clubs, but it's all about Google and it relates to the selection. So you can go on the internet and Google any wine you want or find price you want. And that all starts conversations because it leads to you buying it, going on your social media, sharing it with your friends. That leads them to go out and adventure into the wine world looking for that wine. So it opens up so much conversation, which we like. 
because it keeps us busy here. Yes, it does. What was the next one you want to talk um, about? Another one. This this was a little cheeky and something that we're only starting to see a little bit here in Massachusetts. But interesting wines by the glass to be consumed in unusual places. And we just saw it sort of hit the news a couple of weeks ago that there are grocery stores now that are looking into allowing you to walk around and do your shopping while sipping on a glass of wine. And I visited Italy in Boston recently with my family and they allow you to do that. You can buy a glass of wine and then wander around Italy and do some shopping, buy some cheese, look at pasta. This is an unusual thing that I think is fairly new and especially for Massachusetts that has very strict alcohol laws. So something that's sort of fun and different and kind of cool. Yeah, I think we'll start with the thankful part of this because then I'd like to talk about, <laughs> I think we should look at the other side of that as well. But I knew the retailer in the room was going to say oh, that. No, no, no. I just, as a wine person or alcohol awareness, I'd like to talk about some other sides of it. But you did start with the supermarket that was just recently in the news. And I think this is good in a way and bad in a way. It's going to open up a lot of conversation about a lot of other things that people want to do. So you've probably seen it yourself, Kim, but wine by the glass in a restaurant now, it's taken to another level. You can go now to your barber and have a, a glass of beer or wine. You can go to your, your hairdresser and have a glass of beer or wine, right? So where's it going? Where's it going to stop? It's good if you're a wine lover, but it's kind of going around a lot of the set up laws to regulate. So you were saying you went to Italy and you were walking around with a glass of wine. You're in the wine business it's good that you can do that, right? I mean, but what about people who are on the other side where they're not into alcohol? So now you're going in the supermarket, people are walking around with the with the wine. Is that good for the public or, or it's good for Why the wine lover? Why is it different than having a, in a, restaurant? a glass of wine in a restaurant? Yeah, well, it's a, it's, to me, it's more of a exposure where you're walking around showing like it's, okay to drink while you're shopping you know and there's a lot of effort now or focus on moms maybe drinking too much so now when they're out with their kids shopping you're gonna you would you do it if you were shopping I in might. shaws or, yeah right. i might well i'm surprised i don't have any problem <laughs> having a glass of wine in front of my kids in a restaurant so i just think it's going to open up a can of worms i like that we can be thankful that we're in a country where they're open to these ideas and i like people thinking out of the box how to do it it's good for the wine industry and it but i just think we should just look at the exposure part of it. What are we trying to do? What are we trying to get from it? I love when we disagree. (laughs) It's 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 an agree to disagree. I like it for the wine. It's good when we see different sides of, of an issue. I think it's just getting crazy. I mean, Starbucks is doing it. It's everywhere now. Yeah. So it's it's becoming an acceptable. I think it's almost coming like a European acceptability of, of wine. And just I'm okay drink it with everywhere. that. It's, I, I'm not going to disagree <laughs> with that. I just think, I think from my end, I, being in the liquor retail business is hard because in your business, people are coming to you because they drink. And people are coming to me because they drink. But a lot of people do not like the idea of drinking. So I always have that to think true. the people that don't like it probably will say, well, this is kind of extreme just to have it at home or have it in the bar which i understand but i like the idea that it's putting wine out there uh, a different way. Does that make sense? It does, absolutely. Uh, I don't want to fight with you. Oh, no, no, no. I just oh, we don't fight. I want the, but people we... to know where we stand That's on right. it. But it is it is getting crazy. And I think, you know, just it came to light with, was it Whole Foods that wanted to do I it? I think it was a Whole Foods, yeah. So, I mean, they have restaurants, like Italy has food in there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it makes a great thing when you can have your Italian food and, and have some wine. And if you want to go to another section of the place, you could take your wine with you. Yep. How did they prevent you from, is it in a glass? and you walk around? It's in a glass, yeah. 
you buy like a buy the glass. But I don't know about returning glass. Maybe it's a plastic glass. Did you just leave it on a counter or something when you left? I had it, I had it in the restaurant. So there's a restaurant in there. So we sat and had a glass of wine at the restaurant. But, but you could have taken people, it with you? No. Then they've got like little kiosks outside in oh, okay. the market area okay. where you can buy a glass and walk around. So I didn't do that, but I saw yeah. people doing it. Well, yeah, I, I, it's a good idea. It's just, you. Got, I look at it a different, a different way. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so the next one was the ease with which people can visit local wineries because there are a lot more local wineries, no matter where you live in the country now than there were, say, even 10 or 20 years ago. So Massachusetts has quite a few. Rhode Island has quite a few. All over the place, there are local wineries that people can now, within an hour or two of their home, pick up and spend an afternoon visiting a local Local winery. I mean, we have the Finger Lakes, which are six hours away, which is our closest real fine wine growing region. But like I said, in Massachusetts, we have a lot that we can visit just on a day trip. So that's pretty cool, too, because there's a lot of attention being paid now to locally produced vegetables and fruits and meats and dairy products. And wine is an extension of that in my eyes. Yeah, I I like this because thankful that there are places close to us where you can support local economy. You can see how wine is made. You don't have to go, you know, California or New York. Right in Franklin, Bob at La Cantina, you've been there. You've mm-hmm. tasted grapes. You've seen the winemaking process. And wine people are fun people. So they're usually, and like brewers are fun people too. So, you know, it's, it's nice to see who grows your food and makes your food. I think that, that having that connection can be really important to a lot of people. And there's no state you can't find something mm-hmm. to go to. And, and not just wineries, but there's many places you can go, like we just talked, that, that you can go taste. I mean, there's restaurants that uh, will feature certain wineries. So you can you can go to wine dinners and that focus on certain wineries. So you don't have to look far to find something thankful for an event. Yep. And what was the next one, Kim? Enjoying wine. Oh, this is going to be a tough one, Kim. <laughs> Enjoying wine without, without politics. Without politics. That's right. Wine crosses all uh, red and blue barriers. You don't have to talk about politics or the state of the nation or who's in office. You can just enjoy a glass of wine with your family. And hopefully the only thing that you fight about is oak Chardonnay versus un oak Chardonnay. You know what I'm thankful for in this, Kim, is that unlike the beer industry, the wine industry doesn't, oh, I haven't seen it. Maybe you have. They haven't come up with wine labels, hacking politicians or laws. No. As much as I haven't beer. seen anything. You know, yet. Beer, see yeah, beer, beer tends to be a little more like Nudji you know, trying to push the envelope a bit for, for things. But even... Just trend, like even Sam Adams just came out with a beer for honoring Ginsburg. Yes, right? I saw that. So you don't see that in wine. No. They, it's more historic figures maybe. Yeah. Well, you know, there is some Thomas Jefferson stuff out there and there are some, you know, Trump has his winery, but it's politics. I don't know if they mentioned this, that it's like not mentioned that way or politicians aren't involved in it, but you don't see any political advertising. So yeah. I guess you can be thankful unless I... you're political <laughs> and you want, you know, Trump champagne bumper sticker or something like that. that... So yeah, I guess that, I guess we could say agree on this I one. I agree on this one. Right? Yes. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine. We're your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone. If you'd like to get more information about Kim, please go to her website at vinitaswineworks.com. If you'd like to get more information about myself, please go to franklinliquors.com. And you can follow us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. 
please feel free to send us any questions or comments about our show. We're talking about an article that was in the Fermentation Wine blog about top 10 reasons wine lovers can be thankful. So next we want to talk about mentors in the wine industry and how we could be thankful. This is really related also to how there is so much online and chat about wine. There's so many people like this gentleman who wrote this blog that you can look up to, to for guidance or trends as we do in, in based on the whole show here, Kim. Right. We're really lucky that there are a lot of people in the wine world that are fantastic writers and tackle subjects all over the place. You know, there are some who concentrate more on science, others who spend more time looking at marketing and trends and analytics. And then there are the more traditionalists with grape varieties and regions and laws as far as what region is called what and just everything. There are there are specialists and there are smart people in all corners of the wine world. And we're, I think, really lucky with the way that information is able to be dispersed these days that we have access to all of these people. So very cool stuff being written these days about wine and in all sorts of ways, you know, whether it's online content, whether it's wine magazines, whether it's reviewers and tasting notes and scores or you know, anything that you need, there's there's a way to find that in, in the wine world from some great writers. And a lot of times, can we get together and we're talking about articles and it's funny to find out who we follow we follow the same people you know people or social media when you think back him who would you say was your biggest mentor in the in the wine industry was it was it someone from an education class? Was it someone mm. from a sales perspective, or is it just someone you follow online? You I know, mean, we follow a lot of the same. It's kind of all over the place. There are some wine writers who are based in New York who I like to follow, who I've never actually met in person, but who I really like to read their writings. And then there are the people who I've learned from here locally. You know, we have a couple of fantastic masters of wine in Massachusetts that were my professors in graduate school, Bill Nesto and Sandy Block, and they've both been mentors for me and people that I can reach out to and who have reached out to me in turn. Uh, we had a great teacher who taught us the French Wine Scholar program, Joanne Ross. She's been a mentor to me in the industry. And then, you know, people from my from my sales days that I always could go to and bounce questions off of. So there are there are a lot of very open-hearted and smart people in our industry here in Massachusetts that I've always sort of looked up, looked up to and felt very lucky to have contacts with. I think that's one of the things for our listeners to to understand is that the wine world is huge, but it, the circles are so small. Like you mentioned uh, Sandy Block. I, I was taking online stuff with Sandy, reading his documents. So it, to have that connection with people, you know, we never knew. We never really talked about Sandy. So stuff like that is just interesting. We both liked uh, Joanne when we had her in French Wine Scholar class. I just feel the, the connections you make and you were in sales. So, you know, once you're in the industry, people know a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, so you build up a good repertoire, I guess, for, for the wine industry. Do you have any that. importers or winemakers who you've you know seen come into your store, who you've done tastings with, who you feel like you've made connections with? I think you probably the same way. Anytime you meet someone who's making the wine, it takes you to another level of respect for the wine you're selling or the wine you're drinking. Mm-hmm. 
to know who's behind the label. So I think they all become mentors because I'm selling the product to you. So you have confidence in me that I know something about it. I mean, but there's, there's educational mentors. I mean, I think the first wine education class I ever went through, that person became a mentor because it's the first person you look up to and mm-hmm. you trust their palate and how to taste. So, I mean, you can go on and on about yeah. this. But I was trying to think the other day, who's the most famous winemaker or wine person that I ever met? <laughs> yeah. I've been doing this for a long time and I'm like, who have I met that it's like a famous wine yeah. personality? <laughs> well, we're lucky we get to go to a lot of industry shows and there's a lot of famous people there and a lot of times you don't you don't even know yeah. that they were in the room but I mean, we've probably both been in a room where there's some very, very famous yep. people. And, and then think, you like realize that, oh, that's the name of the person on the bottle. Yeah. yeah. I think I told you that story a long time ago. I was at a tasting and the gentleman at the table offered me a glass and I didn't want that varietal because I wasn't looking for it. So I re- kind of refused it. And then I was told he was the actual, you know, famous winemaker. So it? I felt like I, I, I want to say it was someone from Cuvée Son or size It was a Napa. Oh, okay. It was a Napa. Or, but I felt bad. Wasn't like I, you said no to Jean you know, Trimbach. Yeah, no, like no, that. I wasn't real famous. <laughs> but he was a well-known winemaker. So, uh, yeah. I met you, Gaia Gaia once. I thought that was daughter of Angelo Gaia, who's in charge of the winery now at uh, in, in Piedmont. I thought that was pretty cool. Wow. See? Yeah. I mean, we get a lot of opportunities. A lot of people don't. So that's definitely something to be thankful for being Absolutely. in the industry. So what next, Kim? Uh, that here in the U.S., we have a lot of great wine growing regions. And this is sort of a uh, jumping off from having local wineries to visit. But then if you actually live closer to some of those really fine wine growing areas, those places um, are better and better now than they ever were before. So if you're lucky enough to live on the West Coast, you know, there are lots and lots of places that make world class wine that can compete on any stage, whether it's from Oregon or from California or from Washington. Um, I feel like we're lucky being, as I said, close to New York, but we're starting to get some really interesting, cool stuff from, say, Virginia. Um, And there's new stuff coming out of Texas. All over the place, we have these regions that because of better technology and because of really smart research into different grape varieties that grow well in different areas, we are seeing better and better wine from, I guess you could call them slightly less typical places for wine growing traditionally in America. Yeah, we've done a few shows on these other wine regions in the United States. We talked about uh, I can't wait uh, to get Idaho, down to Virginia, Virginia and try wine, honestly. So, I mean, we're lucky. And I, I was just thinking, geez, I'd be really thankful if uh, we lived in Napa and we're in this industry. Yeah. But, <laughs> like uh, if we lived in Sonoma, it's like oh, embarrassment of riches. But we're still in a good area. Yes. We still will cover everything throughout the world. So that keeps us covered. Yeah. And, you know, we're kind of lucky on the East Coast, too, because we do get exposure and wines from other places in the world that, you know, so if you're in California, pretty much a lot of the things there are very California centric. So like a lot of restaurants won't have a lot of European wines on their wine lists or stores will pretty much only sell California wine. But we're lucky here because we have a really robust importing industry on the East Coast. So we see things from Central Europe and we see things from other countries that maybe don't get all that exposure and you know, awesome things from Spain and, you know, from Germany. So I think that is a benefit for us being here as well. Yeah, a lot of the importers are in New York or yep. Florida or East Coast, so it yep. helps us. Yep. So, so the, the next one is, a, is another little bit of a cheeky one. <laughs> he says, we should be thankful that there's no pot in wine yet. 
Yeah, I thought we that covered was great. this. How many times we talked oh, about goodness. weed and wine? Yeah. Oh, it's trending. It really. But big. let's be thankful for let's call it pure wine, natural wine, uh, wine that is only made from uh, grapes. Yeah, we'll just I'm leave, thankful for grape wine. We'll just leave that one at That's that. Right. <laughs> there's not much more to say. So next, they were talking about be thankful that the Supreme Court is looking at what consumers want as far as allowing shipping, and this is always in the news. And, mm-hmm. and, and this is another sort of double-edged sword for you as a retailer because it does get tricky when you talk to the people who are selling wine locally. How does the shipping of wine impact your business? Yeah, I think, well, a lot of it now has to deal with retailers in other states want to ship into the state. Mm-hmm. So you can go online to a store in New York and say, ship me a bottle of Massachusetts. And right now they can't. But right. you can That's do not it allowable from, yet in Massachusetts. From wineries, you can. So, I mean, I think it's just the next step. Mm-hmm. So and a lot of states have different laws and they're all challenging in different ways so they're listening to the people if that's what the people want and they think it's legal then they can but we have the three-tier system i think they're going to have a fight if they federally say everyone has to do it people should be thankful because it's going to allow you to go on the the internet and shop and find that wine you probably can't find and this is definitely one of those trending topics that we do keep our eyes on because who knows in the next 5 10 gosh 15 20 years how many things are going to change in our industry and shipping and availability is right at the top of that list. And not only at, be thankful, not only Supreme Court's looking at these, but you have to also look at how many things in the state of Massachusetts get looked at. A lot of people don't know this, but I saw something the other day where I think there was 20 or 30 bills related to the liquor industry that are proposed to do with recycling, whatever. But there's always local legislation that's going on. So if you really want to get into it, you can just look at your state level, what's happening. Mm-hmm. There's a lot happening where things want to change. And, you know, little things like uh caterers right now have to buy from a distributor, which is kind of impossible. So it will allow a caterer to go to a store and buy, oh, okay. which I mean, seems fair. So, But there's laws for that, and they're they looking at all these little things. So then a caterer won't need to have their own liquor license. They won't have to pull a, like a, a like one-day one day. permit. And part of the one-day permit would be they have to buy from a distributor. Mm-hmm. But if you only buy in a case of wine, a distributor is not going to yeah. sell to you're you. Not gonna get, and so, you're not going to get the best price for that. And then that gets passed on to the Consumer. Yeah, so, so that's thankful for, for wine consumers because there's these little state things that are going on that you're not even going to see on the ballot or anything. It's just going to happen on the on the side. And if you don't go to the little state house bills this week, you, you never know. Mm-hmm. So. And the last one ties back to the first one is that there is lots of wine available. It's not a product that is in any way really restricted. I mean, if you are over 21 and you have a viable form of identification and you don't have an issue with alcohol, there is plenty of wine out there for you to drink. Now, there might be some specialty bottles that are a little bit harder to find, but there is plenty of good stuff out there uh, for your wine drinking enjoyment. Yeah, wasn't this great, Kim, the way they said it? There's always another bottle. There's always another and bottle. when I was thinking of this, I think back to every time I see a new consumer of 21 years of age, and they come in and they buy, and they're all happy to purchase for the first <laughs> time, right? It's like, okay, happy birthday. Just remember, no matter how many bottles you buy, there's always going to be more made. <laughs> so you cannot drink it But drink it, it, it in moderation, please. Yeah. Drink it in well, moderation. The, yeah, and that's the thing. In, in the wine world, I mean, we see it every week. There's something new coming. 
coming out. So there's always going to be a new trend or a new bottle or a new varietal that's hitting the shelves. So like like the first thing we talk about selection, we can be thankful, but we can be overwhelmed mm-hmm. as well. But in our industry, educators are, it's great. We're thankful we have so much to talk yep. about. We feel very lucky that we are in the business that we are in. And thank you to all of you for coming along for this, uh, this adventure and this ride that we are on. And we love talking to you every week. And we hope that we are presenting some useful wine information to all of you. So thank you. Thank you for listening to us today. We've been your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. If you'd like to find out some past episodes of our show, please go to iTunes or SoundCloud and search The Wonderful World of Wine. Cheers. Wine, wine, wine.